We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye hitting you with a solo recap of the Nets loss of the Hawks, 145-147 in overtime. Another heartbreaker for Brooklyn. You know, multiple opportunities to win this at the end of the fourth quarter and in overtime. Just could not get it done. Even, you know, you could argue that this start of the game set the Nets up for failure given that they allowed the Hawks to score 45 points in that first quarter. But we're going to jump to that and plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms now. Getting into the end of the game sequences, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, end of overtime, I think, you know, the ATOs weren't super creative. You know, Mikel probably got a good enough look at the end of the fourth to win the game. You know, I thought maybe he probably should have taken the shot a sec, a half a second sooner or a millisecond sooner, whatever, you know, instead of taking that extra step out. But again, you know, I thought that was a, a makeable look. Now, the way the Hawks, you know, obviously were pretty keyed on him at the end of the fourth quarter, you know, now, in overtime, the Nets are obviously down two, opportunity to tie the game or win it. It felt like the Hawks were even more locked in, and it seemed it was going to be pretty predictable that the Nets were going to try to force the ball his way, given he's, you know, carried the offense, had a career night, and it felt like probably a decoy situation was what was best for the team, given Spencer Dinwiddie has hit a ton of game-winning shots for the Nets you know, over the course of time. And even against the Nets, you know, Spencer hit a big shot with Dallas against Brooklyn uh, two seasons ago. So, you know, I thought that was just made a little bit more sense because then they ended up getting the ball to Lonnie Walker at the top of the three-point line. He, you know, handled the situation pretty poorly, took way too many dribbles, ended up not getting the shot off in time where, you know, he probably could have taken one dribble, pulled up from three and had an opportunity to win the game on that shot, especially given how he shot this season. So really just... Bad late game execution, you know, not hitting necessarily those big shots. And obviously, too, you had gifts from Trey Young because he missed a free throw at the end of the fourth quarter, and he also missed a free throw at the end of overtime. So two opportunities the Nets did not capitalize on. And again, you know, there was just things that they made mistakes in this game. You know, it wasn't their best played game of the season. You know, there was the second half, they definitely turned up the energy and effort. And, you know, we saw Mikel light it up and Cam Johnson have a good scoring game. Claxton have put up some numbers and Spencer Dinwiddie as well. But at the end of the day, you know, offensive rebounding allowed the Hawks to have 22 offensive boards. I believe they had 29 second chance points. And yes, you know, the Nets did well for themselves in terms of offensive boards. They had 22. I believe too, and 27, you know, second chance points, but it's still, you know, one of the strengths, like Jack 
and I talked about on the most recent podcast was the Nets' defensive rebounding. You know, they were top five in the league and what they were doing in that end of the floor. And to have a performance like this kind of sets you back. It's pretty disappointing. Obviously, some of that's connected to what we alluded to on the, that previous podcast that, you know, getting out of drop coverage, going to switching, you know, it's going to set you up with some deficiencies when it comes to boxing out. You know, you saw Clint Capella have a lot of favorable matchups against the Nets and guys kind of scrambling around out there. So, you know, the pros and cons of playing switch, you know, you can stagnate things a little bit sometimes, but at the end of the day, you know, it can set you up for failure on the boards. And, you know, obviously, too, I think you give credit to Trey Young, who's not necessarily had a good start to the season, but obviously was hot in the previous game against the Pacers and just hit some incredibly tough shots and got, you know, a ton of good calls from the referee. Shot 11, made 11 free throws, shot 13 of them, was 8 of 16 from deep. You know, that's just tough, especially with his game and the way he plays. You know, I thought also the Nets probably could have done a better job in the end of the fourth quarter in overtime of trying to force the ball out of his hands. You know, make somebody else hit big shots. You know, DeJounte Murray did, but Jalen Johnson wasn't really having a good game. You know, DeAndre Hunter was a little hot and cold. You know, had some big moments, also had some mistakes in this one, too. Too. So, you know, I feel like you, you know, you know, Trey's on a heater, especially from deep. He gets those favorable calls, you know, try to force the ball out of his hands. And, you know, the Nets didn't do that. You know, obviously they still had an opportunity to win this game and a chance to win. It was just kind of execution. I think also in overtime, Mikel probably had two shots that he typically makes and that were favorable shots, you know. And he just couldn't knock him down. And obviously, you know, some of that could be related to fatigue, given how much of a workload and how many minutes he played in this game. But still, you know, you want to execute. You want to be that guy. You got to hit those big shots. It also didn't help that Cam Johnson looked to injure his leg on the game tying tip to send this game to overtime. So, you know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. That type of stuff, you know, not having him out there who he was playing a nice game. You know, this is probably, you know, his easily his best game of the season in terms of offensive production. 23 points, 8 of 13 from the veal, 5 of 8 from 3, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 turnovers, was plus 12. So Cam Johnson not being out there. 
in overtime was definitely hurtful, especially because Jacques Vaughn elected to go with Royce O'Neal. And Royce O'Neal was not good in this game. You know, he was a guy that was struggling. You know, <laughs> I tweeted something out earlier on that it felt like he was in slow motion. I don't know if he just, you know, woke up stiff, wasn't feeling right, but he wasn't necessarily productive for the Nets in this one. So, but again, it wasn't necessarily just that overtime stretch, those coaching decisions. It was really how the Nets started this game and allowed Atlanta to get so comfortable. The fact they dropped 45 in that first and they just got whatever they wanted. You know, the rest of the game defensively, the Nets were okay. You know, 32 in the second, not great. 23 in the third, that's good. 31 in the fourth, not great. 16 in overtime, not great. So, but the 45, like you can, you could live, you know, a team with the Hawks, they're going to score. They're going to have a big quarter or two. Holding them to 23 is definitely something but giving up 45 in any quarter to any team you know no matter really the circumstance is just unacceptable and that's what really set the nets back in this game because you know let's just say the nets hold them to 32 in that quarter you know they're winning this game by over 10 points you know i think it's easy to point to a lot of the late game stuff and obviously everything's situational but you set yourself up for success early in the game. The Nets didn't do that. And that's also coming off, you know, a two-day break. You know, they had two days off. Get ready for this one. Hawks played a crazy game against the Pacers yesterday, which was higher scoring than this, and it wasn't an overtime. So all of that played together, and the Nets still couldn't get it done. I think that's pretty disappointing. You know, obviously still without... You know, Ben Simmons, uh, Cam Thomas, and Dennis Smith Jr. But again, the Nets had enough. They had enough opportunities, and they couldn't execute. And I think defense, like I said, the first quarter was pretty terrible. And also, there was just a lack of you know effort and energy at the end of the floor, especially in the first half. And I think transition defense in that first half was really poor to the extent of like guys weren't finding bodies. They were essentially just running back to get in position rather than being aware of their surroundings. And there was multiple times where it felt like three got three nets were on ball or three nets were focused on ball and somebody was coming down the wing for a wide open three. So it's just, you know, those type of mental mistakes. And you think, you know, that's something you accept a little bit you know, earlier in the year, you know, that's the f- first five, seven games or the first time this group's played together. You know, now this unit has enough experience where they should have a better idea of what's going on out there. And, you know, I think also bench production wasn't necessarily great today. And that hampered the team a little bit. Six points from Dayron Sharp, zero points from Royce O'Neal, only eight points for Lonnie Walker, one of his more quiet games of the season. Trenton Watford had seven points, and he did have seven rebounds and one assist, but he also had some hot and cold plays in this game. But I guess I guess we'll work our way backward to the starter, starting with Trenton Watford. You know, he has that hot and cold to his game where he looks so good when he attacks those ISO situations, but when it's not there, he tries to force it a little bit too much instead of passing out or kind of calls his own number a little bit too early in the shot clock. You can understand why, you know, he's not necessarily wasn't he's not a fully uh, polished player at this point in time. So the development still needs to come, but the tools are really there for his game. As I mentioned with Lonnie Walker, you know, just necessarily wasn't in the same rhythm, wasn't, and also didn't really get that many minutes in this game. You know, 16 minutes, just really didn't feel super part of it, wasn't very active. Um, you know, maybe Vaughn went to, you know, play a little bit more defense. I thought he probably should have played 
at the end of the third quarter where the Nets gave up their comeback lead that they received by you know putting uh, Royce O'Neal out there with Dorian Finney-Smith, Dayron Sharp, Mikel Bridges, and Trenton Watford. And that stretched to end the third quarter. The Hawks ended up going on a nice run to finish the third quarter, taking a lead going to the fourth. And there just probably wasn't enough ball handling. You know, you probably put Lonnie out there for Royce or even Dorian Finney-Smith if you really want to you know find minutes for Royce or whatever. But that that was an issue, and that was probably a coaching you know L right there. And again, I'm not saying coaching lost the Nets this game, but there were situations in which it didn't help the Nets win this game, and the players also did those things that didn't necessarily help themselves win. So it's just all these kind of little things across the board where there wasn't necessarily like one giant huge issue, probably other than the offensive rebounding, that hurt this team. And it's just all those little details, and the Nets just don't have that room for error. But continuing with the bench unit, mentioned Royce O'Neal, probably his worst game of the season, zero points, three rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block, one turnover. Just wasn't impactful. You know, we was getting cooked defensively too multiple times in this game. Just didn't really have that burst or that energy and, you know, making those plays out there. But again, you know, maybe Royce will bounce back. Vaughn probably a little bit too much into giving him those minutes in the third, like I mentioned, and relying on him in a game where he's just not hitting. And if he's not knocking down threes and he's not confident out there, he becomes a, an issue offensively. But over to Dayron Sharp, you know, he wasn't necessarily bad in this game wasn't great you know I thought he was okay he filled in his minutes he was solid out there didn't get really necessarily exposed but didn't necessarily do anything amazing over to the starters now Spencer Dinwiddie one of his you know probably better games of the season probably top three 26 points nine to 23 from the field three of eight from three five of five from the free throw line six rebounds 12 assists four turnovers was plus eight in this one you know Spencer Probably biggest mistake in this game is the foul on Trey Young to end the fourth quarter. You know, the Nets had a chance to kind of play that straight up. You know, I don't necessarily love the call in that situation, but Spencer knows that Trey's going to end up getting a call like that against him in, you know, almost any time. But again, you know, I thought Spencer continued to kind of show his ability to get downhill. Probably should have shot more free throws in this one. Only shot five. Easily could have shot nine, in my opinion. There was multiple times where it felt like Spencer was driving and the Hawks player was, you know, impeding his ability to get to the rim, but also clearly putting a hand on his arm or shoulder to hamper him from moving forward. So that that whole situation with Spencer and the refs, obviously there's a history to that, and it seems to have an impact on some of the calls he gets because he's just not going to the free throw, free throw line enough for a guy that's creating advantages and clearly you know, being physically contacted in a way that's negatively impacting his ability to finish a play. But Love the fact that he had 12 assists as well. You know, with Ben, we talked about this on the previous pod, Jack and I, that he's starting to kind of take over the offense a little bit more in terms of running things, setting guys up, and calling his number. He just seems to be a little bit more aggressive. And I thought probably at the end of the fourth quarter in overtime, he should have been a touch more involved. Obviously, Mikel was on a heater, but I think also it's a little easier for Mikel when things are getting set up and he's just kind of relied more upon on shooting rather than just fully creating for himself. And maybe if so, you know, Finding a couple possessions to give Mikel a break, especially to start that overtime period, seemed to be important. You know, obviously the players play some role in kind of dictating things out there as well. But over to Mikel Bridges, had his, easily his best game of the season. You know, 45 points, 16 to 31 from the field, two of six from three, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, 10 rebounds, three offensive, four assists, two steals, zero blocks, one turnover. You know, just 
was a scoring machine. And as I mentioned, you know, carry, he, over 20, I think 23 or 25 points in the fourth quarter and overtime combined, just a huge game for him. And I think his confidence moving forward is really going to benefit from a game like this. And, you know, we heard the, the interview previously and talk about not playing to the level that he's wanted to to start this year, especially after how he played with Brooklyn, you know, at the end of last season. So good for him to get back on track. And he looked, he did a nicer job in this game of kind of attacking and creating for himself and getting downhill. You know, had that really nice finish in the paint where he broke somebody down off the dribble, got in the paint, hit him with a Euro step and finished your contact on the end one. It was just some pretty stuff. And the three ball still is not really falling for him. And when that comes around, you know, we're going to start to see the same production we saw last year for him. But again, hopefully this is a nice building block for him moving forward in terms of getting back to the level we saw at the end of last season over to Nick Claxton. Probably his best game of the season offensively, 22 points, 11 rebounds, 10 of 15 from the field, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 7 offensive boards, 3 assists, 1 steal, 3 blocks, 2 turnovers. Uh, did foul out of this one. You know, he had to take a take foul at the end of the game. And, you know, Clax also started this game pretty poorly in the first quarter. So if he plays in this one, he might set a career high for scoring in this game or rebounds because he ended up losing some minutes to start the game because of, you know, one normal foul and then one just not smart foul on a, you know, an illegal screen where he kind of looked like a fullback rather than kind of a stationary position. But you saw Clax also hit a jumper in this game, looked pretty comfortable doing that. Did a nice job, you know, constantly rim running. And I think you clearly see the difference in his ability and his impact and gravity rolling to the rim rather than Dayron Sharp because of the vertical spacing he can provide. It just opens up another element of the offense. And I think it's going to be interesting if, you know, Harry Giles ever gets a chance this season or if if Noah Clowney develops enough over the course of the next couple of months that we start to see him at the end of the year, because I think Clowney will provide more of a role threat than Dayron Sharp, you know, because of his his length and size, but also his ability to get up. He's not an elite athlete, but he's just more of a vertical threat than I think Dayron Sharp is, you know, at this point in time and any time in the future. And maybe that Clowney stuff won't ever happen this season, but something kind of think about in the future, given the impact Clax's vertical spacing and gravity has on this offense compared to all the other bigs in which they play. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith in this one, you know, wasn't super involved. They gave him the task of Trey Young and just, you know, did his thing defensively, did grab eight ports, only eight points. Points, three of seven from the field, two of five from three, um, one assist. Not necessarily a huge impactful game, but again, kind of just filled in those minutes and did a solid job. As I talked about with Cam Johnson earlier, 23 points, eight of 13, five, eight from three, you know, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, was plus 12, and the Nets clearly could have used him in overtime. Hopefully, you know, nothing too serious with the injury. It just stinks because this finally looked like a game. He found his confidence and rhythm, and now he could potentially miss, you know, something moving forward. But again, just a painful loss for the Nets and one that they definitely, I don't want to say needed because, again, this is the end of November. These games aren't necessarily the end of the world, but it could come back to bite them, you know, come playoff seating time, playing in time, whenever it is, because the Hawks will probably be around the same level of them. But there's good to take away from this game, but also bad. And I think it's another example for this Nets team to understand is like the margin of error compared to a more talented team like Atlanta. It's going to be tough if you make those mistakes and you don't play, you know, to 90 to 95 percent of your capacity on most nights. And that's what they need, especially with guys like, you know, Cam Thomas out, you know, Cam Thomas, another guy that could put up a huge points, hit those big buckets, alleviate some of the pressure and workload from Mikel down the stretch and probably allow Mikel to focus more defensively and have an impact and be kind of that stopper on Trey Young. So, you know. 
all these different injuries and things play a part and you know we're learning every game a little bit more about this team but always big thanks everybody for listening and a happy thanksgiving to everybody and their families really appreciate you guys and listening to this podcast as much as you do even if it's one episode 100 whatever it is and you know looking forward to the rest of the season